creator of this fabulous show, host and writer for Women's Wrestling Talk, and color commentator for the Belladonna Division, Battle Club Pro, and Black Girl Magic 2022. And I am here on this fabulous Wednesday afternoon with somebody who I deeply admire and find incredibly funny and just am so happy to have him on this show. After years of wanting him on here and now it's finally happened, and of course, we are a little late, but it's not our fault. You know, we have to deal with life and all of its stuff and traffic and all of the above. But we're here and I'm here with the awesome and fabulous and talented host, content creator, um, sports analyst, I guess you could kind of say, um, Chiseled Adonis. What's up, man? Yes. Hello. 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 Good evening. Good morning. Good afternoon. Whatever time that the viewers are tuning in. I am the diligent, vigilant, meticulous, sagacious, conscientious, analytical, methodical individual, the chiseled Adonis. And I'm here with Queen Steph Hardy. I'm I, I'm excited. I'm happy to be here. Uh, um, uh, this has been a long time coming. So I'm, yes. I'm glad that I'm here. Yes, definitely. And I'm so glad you did that intro because I can't do it justice. I can't do it the way you do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's a tongue twister. It certainly yes. is a tongue twister. But you hit it every time, and it's perfect. <laughs> it's, it's six years of introducing myself this manner. I better be able to say it without without stumbling. But it, it's just a, a lot of repetition. So then, after after years of consistency, here we are now to where it rolls off the tongue, no problem. Yes, and of course, if you're li watching live on any of the Hardy Wrestling Podcast platforms, you know, feel free to chime in in the comments for anything that you might want to say or anything that you want to just, you know, ask questions about during our time together. Anything you want to say, just pop in the comments and go crazy. And thank you guys for watching us live. So, Chiseled Adonis, I got to ask you, when did you fall in love with content creation and using your voice on a platform? And also, when did you fall in love with wrestling, too? So for I'll answer the, the the latter first because that's what came first. So um yeah. fell in love with wrestling. I I had to say I want to say 1998, I was at my aunt's house probably watching some random episode of Raw at four years old, but I really think it was the first episode of SmackDown. Um, because it was on regular regular network television. I think it was in um they had a trial episode in early 99. 
and then they came to the weekly um situation in i believe it was like august of 99 all i remember was i was five years old i'm watching um flipping through channels or whatever i think my brother was actually utilizing the remote because what did i know i was in kindergarten so i'm watching and then all of a sudden funny enough i missed the entire episode but the moment that Shawn michaels hit the rock with the sweet chin music in that iron man match between triple h and the rock i was like wait a minute what is this (laughs) Because I had seen, like, I played the games or I saw episodes here and there. But watching that tail end of the episode, it was right at the end of it. And seeing that they were promoting it for the following week. And then I fell in love with it from that point moving forward. And ever since, I think now that's what, about 23 years, 20, Mm -hmm. 24 years. Ever since that particular moment, I've been hooked. I was primarily a WWF, WWE guy, but um, I was always privy to what was going on in the business. So I've loved wrestling ever since I was a child. I was one of those kids who were wrestling after church, wrestling in school. I'll never forget. Um, I had a TLC match, 2000. It was um December. No, it was, yeah, I believe it was December of uh, 2000, either December or November. It was one of those church concerts or something. Our parents are singing, having a ball, wearing the back, jumping off of ladders, going through <laughs> tables. I can't put into words the beating my father gave me by the end of the night because I had some new suit. It wasn't new anymore by the time we got done with the match. But um, amazing times, just being a wrestling fan since I was a kid. And then as for content creation, um, I got into it in 2016. And initially, I, I thought it was something that I didn't really want to do because when I made mm-hmm. up my mind and said, hey, I'm going to go into comedy, I thought social media was a little bit kind of hacky because you're speaking into a phone or you're speaking into a camera and you're almost, in a sense, pretending somebody else is there. So I never really understood the intricacies of it. But then after I had done stand up and then posted my very first video on on Facebook, I got a thousand views overnight. I said, wait a minute, I think I got something here. And then all of a sudden, as the years continued, I saw the community that I was building. I saw how other people thought the same way that I thought, or even those who disagreed, we can engage in dialogue and seeing how so many different people across, but at first it was across the state, then it was across the country. Now it's across the globe. How many different people are touched by content and whatever it is that you put out there. So I fell in love with with creating content in 2016. And now seven years later, I, I can't envision a circumstance where I would stop. Yeah, because what it, the way it happened for me, like the way I discovered you was through content creation and through YouTube um, via my boyfriend. Um, shout out to him. He um, found you and was watching you one day and I came over to his house and he was just like, have you seen this guy? And I was just like, no. And I watched it and I just remember learning so much, you know, from what you had to say in terms of on the sports side, because, of course, I love wrestling. You know, I commentate for certain events and stuff like that. But before then, like way before I even started my own show, that was your there was your platform. And I just remember listening to you talk about all the sports and everything. And it sounded like you knew so much. And I learned phrases that. I had never really thought about before when it came to sports. Like, you're the reason I know what a turnover is. 
You're oh. the reason I know what a turnover is in football. Because I've been watching football, you know, basically my whole life, you could say. Um, but didn't really fully get into it until high school, which is funny because I'm from Alabama. And that's mm. what we live, eat, sleep, oh, and breathe. Yeah. But, you know, I just wasn't into it until high school. And there was still so much that I enjoyed about it, but still so much I didn't know. So watching your videos really kind of opened me up to learning, you know, how the game works and even with basketball. So I was just like, okay, okay. You know, I'm understanding these things. And then when you toss in your jokes in there, it -hmm. just makes it for a more like funny experience. So I think that's amazing. But then the part that I find even more amazing is the fact that finding out you love wrestling. And that really, you know, made me feel good. Cause I'm just like, okay, great. This is something that I really, really know about. And he knows about it too. And all of your jokes are just so timely and funny fitting the situation and i just love it so it's cool let's go to the comments real quick cornelius is saying he has to watch this and he watches you religiously um yes and my boyfriend is in he's an nfl recap yep that's the one (laughs) thank you guys so much for watching and supporting so um how did you discover that using your voice was something that you wanted to do you know with your life if that was something that you had thought about previously before content creation Oh, well, I was in college. I was playing college football and then things weren't going the way that, you know, I I had planned because initially the the goal was all right. Well, you don't get a scholarship to a D1, D2, D3 school. You go to JUCO, you go, you play your two years, you transfer, have enough good tape, you go to a different school or whatever. But then the love for the game was still there, but then it started to dwindle a bit down because it wasn't as fun. The camaraderie wasn't there because college is different than high school. Because high school, you the guys you come in as a freshman with, those are the guys you're usually leaving it with as a senior. But then you go to college, if you're not at one of those schools where people are going to stay for the long haul, you build a relationship for one year, you got to start over because somebody new is there in the next year. So I was in a position where I'm like, man, I don't know if this is going to work. So I got to figure out something else to do with my life. So I've always been somebody who can speak. Um, and a lot of people would like to listen to. And since I was about 15 in high school, I've had a number of different people talk about, man, you should get in the radio. You've got the voice. You should do this. I, I was always kind of more of a secluded to myself, never really cared too much to be in front of people or whatever the case was. But it was my business law professor. I'll never forget Professor Rhodes. He had pulled me to the side at the end of one of our classes. And he said, what are you doing here? I'm like, what do you mean? I'm here to get my degree. I'm I'm taking the class. I'm not failing. I have a B in the class at this point. Maybe because I'm not an A. Maybe he's taking me to the side or something. But then he had said, he listed all of these different things that I did throughout the semester that were subtly funny, that I didn't attempt to go out of my way to do things that were funny. So then he said, you should really consider going to entertainment. Like, what are you talking? You're a professor in a university. Why would you push somebody away from school. Are you calling me dumb or something? <laughs> right. It's like, no, this is, I see something that you can really excel in. So I said, all right, whatever, I'll think about it. And then the one constant throughout my entire life was I was funny. So I said, okay, I think I got something here. And then when I had, um, I switched my degree from a four year to a two year, graduated with my associates that same semester. Then I was at, I was listening to Bill Burr and he was um back when he had small clips of his podcast. And he was talking about his story getting into comedy where he saved up $18,000, then moved from Boston to come to New York. I already live in New York. So I'm like, okay, that's interesting. And I started doing research on like open mics and everything. And of course, there are free mics, but then there are some that are paid. 
So when that was the case, I said, all right, all of 2015, I'll work. I'll save all of my money. Then come 2016, I'll go into comedy and then see how things work out. Stand-up was all right. I enjoyed it. It was cool. But then the community that you build online is incredible. And then when I noticed, you can eliminate the middleman because when you're doing stand-up and you're first starting out, you're at the mercy of the producer. So they essentially, and I'll never forget, there was a show where it was kind of, you had to bring people um, in. So it's considered bringer show. So whoever brings the most people would get the largest reward of having a guest spot on a show or something of that nature. And I'll never forget, um, I think I had maybe like the third or fourth best set, but the person who had the best set brought nobody. But there was one person who had maybe 25, 30 people, darn near the entire audience was theirs. They absolutely sucked. It was terrible. But because they brought the most people, they were rewarded. And I was sitting there thinking to myself, like, wait a minute. I thought the craft is supposed to be about, you know, the craft. You should have the person who is the best should get rewarded. And since that was the case, I said, oh, boy, you know, this don't get me wrong. Stand up. I absolutely love it and everything. But I think if I want to do it, I want to do it on my terms. So I went 100% into um, content creation, and man, um, I've been in love ever since, and more above everything has always been the community, being able to connect with people, being able to you know, have dialogue with people, debates with people, and above all else, have fun in the ambiance of other people. That's why I really enjoy live streams, connecting with people, podcasts, all these different things, but that, that that's pretty much the origin of it. You know, that's interesting, you know, how you talked about, you know, your journey going from, you know, school and doing football, which now it all makes sense. And I was clicking um, with that journey and then shifting into speaking and doing funny things and then going into stand up. You mentioned earlier that you were a very secluded person and kind of, you know, chilling all, kind of by yourself, kind of like an introvert. So how do you transition out of, you know, being to yourself into doing something like stand up and content creation? Is that is that, you know, does that take a toll on you a little bit? And how do you manage that? Well, I think it, it was very it, it took a lot of courage when I had first got onto stage, because at first I didn't necessarily have stage fright, but I was always an inside joke kind of person. And even when I would take um speech classes in college or whatever the case was, I never had a problem being able to speak. But I had a problem with if people would be able to comprehend what it really is that I'm trying to say. Because mm -hmm. on the surface, I can say a lot of different things and people could shake their head or they could say, oh, I understand or, oh, I, I enjoyed this or whatever. But do you understand what it is that I'm really trying to say? So I've always had a bit of like a wrestling match, per se, with identifying if I would be able to, you know, get my point across. But uh, being more secluded or whatever, I recognize like in, in the grand scheme of things, I started looking at the most successful individuals across any sort of craft or whatever they may not all be incredibly outgoing incredibly extroverted but there's a degree of that that exists so i said you know what i can't you know try to be so introverted 100 percent and really connect with people because how am i supposed to well i go to a convention and work up the courage to ask somebody hey you know you've been doing this i'm admired by your work how would i be able to go to like when i went to wrestlemania four years ago go to like a, a panel and ask a question to somebody if i don't really work that muscle out of connecting with people so i kind of just had to have that intrinsic decision to say all right well 
I'm gonna, although I'm introverted, I'll do a little bit here and there of being extroverted and work on that. And lo and behold, I've been able to find a nice balance to where I don't burn myself out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's absolutely great. You know, that you found that happy medium that doesn't, you know, drain yourself out, but then at the same time, it's still beneficial for you in that way. Cause it's like, you said that and I was just like, huh, you know, how does he make that work? But I'm glad that you did, you know, find that um thing that helps you to connect with people while also at the same time being true to yourself because i can't tell you how many times people can you know sacrifice pieces of themselves you know and then they'll go so hard with the hustle of it mm -hmm. but then they sort of lose themselves in the middle of it so it's good that you have not done that so um as you're creating your content, you're putting stuff out over and over again. Like, when was that one moment that you realized that you were, I guess you could say, cooking with hot grease <laughs> and realizing that you had something here that was going to pop off and actually, you know, reach people? So it was two things. The first one was when I made the rant about um the NY, the, the Metro card fair increasing back in 2017 so for those individuals who just so happen to be from new york um we basically we, we have a transit our public transit is the mta so mm -hmm. our fare was uh two i think at the time yeah i think it was still 275 at the time and there was articles coming out talking about well we're going to increase the fare to three dollars the problem is the trains are absolutely disgusting, filthy. The train stations that I don't think anybody who works in the train station recognizes that there's air conditioners outside of the train station. Because it doesn't make sense that it's never ventilated to where you can feel cool air. Then the buses, constant issues, not enough seating. You'll run into traffic, whatever the case may be. Bus drivers take extended breaks or whatever. So when they had the article that they were increasing the fare, I said, you know what? I had uh, my camera. I was just, I just came back from the gym. So I'm already mm -hmm. pumped. So I said, all right, well, let me just set up the camera in the car and I'm going to go in. And when I ranted for about, I think it was exactly three minutes, I posted it million views in like three days. I said, wait a wow. minute. Hold on here. And this was the first video that I actually started to get stopped in the street. I'll never forget. It was um three days after I had posted that video. I think it's when it reached a million mark. I'm driving and I can see out of the corner of my window that somebody's in the back of a bus with like their phone trying to take a photo of me. So when I looked at them, they like gave me the thumbs up. I'm like, what is going on here? So there's the first <laughs> form of visibility that I had. And then I would say the second one was when I did commentary on the NBA finals in 2017, because that was the first sort of sports commentary series that I had did because I did isolated videos here and there. But when I was doing the series, the first um, game one, this was when um, the Cavaliers were defending champions and then the Golden State had just got Kevin Durant. The first game one had 18,000 views on Facebook overnight. Then game two had um, 35,000. And then when I got ready to record game three, I had gotten blocked. But people were constantly sending messages. Like, oh, man, yo, we waiting for game three. Wait. And I said, wait a minute. What is, what's going on? There's a demand for this? And that ended up funneling right into the NFL um, commentaries later on that, um, that fall. And then now I, I – <laughs> Here we are. You know, I'll do MMA. I'll do football. I'll do basketball. I, I'll do soccer from time to time. It's it all stems from that. Yeah, it's a lot. It's so funny you bring up 
the uh, Metro cards and stuff like that. I actually have one from the last time. <laughs> um, from the last few times I was in New York last year, and I was so thrilled to be on the train. <laughs> simply because I had never been on a subway before and I was just like oh my god this is happening um but when I got it and shout out to Janelle from the HR who was like my gateway through going on the train the first time and then she talked me through it the last time I came up there um for Black Girl Magic she's the reason I even have this because I have it and I refill it and I take the train and everything and she taught me through the whole thing and nothing really crazy happened you know each time I was on the train, um, which I guess is pretty fortunate considering all the videos I've seen over the past couple of years of New York. Lots of crazy stuff happening. Oh, yeah. It's getting ridiculous. Like I so, saw the yeah. other day, there's a snake that was on the train. So, so how, no. who brought on a snake? And people were just sitting there calm. Now, granted, New Yorkers. You like a pet? No, I, I, I'm not. I know it must have had to been a pet because I there are no wild snakes in in New York City. But the the video angle of it, I would assume the person who was recording was in on what was going on with the snake because it was a legitimate snake, but nobody was moving. And the person who was recording the snake got incredibly close to them. And no. they didn't move or anything of that nature. Now, granted, there are some people who are, you know, whether there's a snake or whatever the case may be, animal, rat, whatever, um, rodent, they can, you know, be stoic in that moment and not move. But more often than not, the common person is going to jump or do something of that nature. So people were way too calm. So a piece of me feels like maybe, you know, it was some sort of skit or something, but it was a legitimate snake and it was on the train. So I said, all right, this is this is starting to get weird, but at least you didn't see any rats. You didn't see any um, stray animals or some a homeless person try to jump in front of the train or whatever. Like It, it, it gets wild in New York City. Yeah, really the craziest thing I saw was someone playing a violin and I loved it. Um, but then I believe I was told not to give the person any change or money. And I was just like, but they sound good. But no, they were like, nah. And I was like, okay. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, because they, they, there's some people who buy profession. It's like, all right, we're street performing, which is not an issue. But then there, there's moments in which, you know, somebody can sell you a story and you're like, oh, wow, you're really going through it. And then a couple months later, you're like, wait a minute, you know, this person, don't get me wrong. Like you, you could have the same story of unfortunate, you know, sort of situation, but now, now it feels like you, you're trying to play me here. Yeah, but you know, I enjoyed it. It was fun, but I'm pretty sure, you know, when you live in New York every day, you know, you're dealing with all the issues and stuff. See, I was just looking at it from a tourist perspective. Mm -hmm. Like I don't necessarily live there. So I'm more than sure y'all got y'all issues and stuff. But to me, it was just like magical. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. Especially when they're, when they're playing instruments. Like there was a um, there's a girl who I don't know if it's a particular station, but then she'll play. She I don't know how she gets a piano down there or something. She has a piano and she's just playing and amazing. There's there's people who have saxophones in the street performance. Like with music, if the music is good, all power to you. But this is New York City. Mm -hmm. There's so many places you can get that off of the street and into a venue. So once that starts happening, all right, now, now it feels like I've <laughs> seen you too many times. Yeah, I guess so. But either way, you know, I guess it has to be like the most magical thing. But then back to your videos, it's just when you make things that are very relatable to people and it resonates with people, you know, I guess 
that sort of attention that you got after you posted your stuff is like you weren't expecting all that attention and then once it starts happening you're just like whoa like why are you mm -hmm. huh because you're just trying to go and do what you need to do you know out here every day and go to work and do all your stuff and then people walk up to you and they're just like i know you from your thing and you're just like huh mm -hmm. <laughs> right right that's exactly so it that, yeah i know that had to be an interesting transition in your life i'm sure Oh, it's it's been wild. Like I now, I I'd like to say maybe seventy five percent of the time that I go out, um, somewhere actually go to like a function or something, I'll get recognized, and it's it's it never gets old. I, I'm I'm always humble about it, but there are some moments in which it's somewhat inconvenient. Like if I'm in a bathroom, that it's kind of uh, we can't have a, this conversation at a urinal. It's it's kind of weird. Or if somebody recognized me ahead of time and I'm going into a stall, they'll go to the stall next to me. Like, I think there was a, mm -hmm. there was a couple of uh, kids and they recognize me and then they're, they're on two opposite stalls and it's trying to have a conversation. I'm in the middle stall. I'm like, all right, this is, this is weird. Like I, at first it's under, it's, it feels inappropriate. I shouldn't be speaking to minors. We're in a bathroom. You're in different <laughs> stalls than me. And we're, we're trying to have a conversation. I'm trying to urinate here. We shouldn't be having this moment right now. So I try yeah. to avoid those kinds of situations, but uh, above all else, it's always cool to just run into people. I was in Puerto Rico um, one time that I went out there and an, a dude was driving, recognized me, got out of his car, created traffic just to walk over and say, hey, man, love all your stuff. I'm like, dude, what is, you're from Puerto Rico. Why are you watching my stuff? So it, it's always awesome. Atlanta, California, Florida, Virginia. It's always awesome. I, I, I really enjoy everybody and I appreciate everybody who tunes into the content. Absolutely. So with you and your athletic background, seeing as you have played football and you do sports commentary on a lot of your um, content, have you ever thought about being a wrestler yourself or is that something that you feel like is just not, you know, in the cards for you at all? Oh, I thought about it heavily. I was actually going to get into it in um, 2018 because I had oh, gone wow. to uh, maybe about six or seven shows at uh, House of Glory at HOG down in Queens. Mm -hmm. And one of my buddies has a friend who trains there. And I said, okay, this is something that I might want to get into. But then I started really thinking about the grind of a wrestler. When you start out on the indie scene, then you get to the professional scene and everything of that nature. The days that are go into that craft, it's you're on the road, especially if you're now, you know, you're getting booked to different shows. Sometimes you can be in a local sort of area and you don't need to worry too much. But if you're getting booked around the country or around the eastern portion or whatever, you're in a car, you're staying at hotels, you're at motels, you're on the road, maybe about. 200 some days out of the year and i started thinking to myself like man let's just say if i were to make it you know to the wwe or make it to the aew at the time it wasn't created yet or whatever the case was i'm on the road 250 250 days out of the year like is this really a life that i'd want to live and then i started looking at like now where you have your logan pauls or the bad bunnies or uh, 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 um well stephen amell and things of that nature where you're an established name outside you showcase the interest in wrestling and then you kind of work in on your own terms so i said okay if the time were to come maybe down the line if i'm able to build up my clout game to 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 a, a portion stay in shape give myself about 5 to 7 years 
maybe when I'm in my mid-30s, if I have enough visibility, I can always go and commit to joining in on, on a company and saying, hey, listen, I don't need to now go through all of the rigmarole of having to go on the road for all these different years. I'll be in a position where I kind of dictate, you know, my leverage. So, but I've always thought about wanting to be a wrestler. I've always thought about it. A lot of people talked about, like, I have the mouthpiece for it. I could be a manager or something, like grab the mic, which I think that's somewhat of being a big fan as a child. I think anybody who's a wrestling fan should know how to talk because mm -hmm. you, you can't watch Stone Cold, The Rock, um, Arn Anderson, Ric Flair, uh, uh, Triple H, The Undertaker, uh, all these guys, Paul Heyman, and you not able to talk or roast somebody, you're holding back. There's something that's behind, like you got to crack that in order to, you know, really unleash that. So I've always thought about being a wrestler. Yeah, you know, it's so funny. You talked about how you could have been a manager. And in my head, I can see you being a manager for Sir Wilkins, Loki. Like if he even though he <laughs> says he's retired, even though we really don't necessarily believe he could be retired. I don't know, because he keeps dropping hints that maybe he'll fight again. Like if y'all were to become like a tandem, that would be sick. And oh, then really? to add in Mr. Black in there as a referee, like that would be an amazing faction right there. Like it would be it, almost it like, would be. like the Haitian it, bloodline. <laughs> <laughs> it would be. And shout out to Java Tears, man. They're, they're, those are those are my guys. I appreciate them. And you, you're so right. I don't think I don't think Sir Wilkins is retired. Because he, he's, <laughs> I, I've been watching on Twitter. He's teasing him and Simon Miller part two and all this other yeah. stuff. They're like, man, listen, if, if for one, if it's confirmed that they're going to have, you know, a second match, if I happen to be in, in New York City, if I'm not going anywhere, I, for one, I have to be there for the match. And then if they give me an opportunity to have that mic again, because I hosted their sit down um, that they had, but if they give me the mic again, I am tearing into somebody. Um, and, and if they gave me the opportunity to be Wilkins' manager, I'm all for it. <laughs> I am all for it. Yeah, that would be fun. And I hated that I couldn't make it up there for it because I met, I basically, that was the first match I ever sponsored as a brand. So to be able to do that for them, you know, because I admire them so much and they've supported me throughout my podcasting career and everything else. They've been so supportive. So it's just like, I was so upset that I couldn't be there because I wanted to meet you and meet Simon and everything. And I just felt like that would have been like so cool. But either way, like if they fight again, I want to try to be there. Like I really want to try to be there and make it there because that would just be sick. And you on the microphone for the pre-event or the event itself would be amazing. Like those words would just be hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I really enjoyed it. And it was funny when I went when we had to sit down because um, Sir Wilkins had told me, like, all right, what he envisions is what um Jim Ross and when The Rock in Austin in preparation to WrestleMania 17, what that sit-down vibe was. So I was like, okay, cool, I got it. So that we were sitting there, and I'm just – the energy was there. But I think if maybe – Perhaps if we were in a ring or maybe we're in a locker room because we were in a bar and there was the, the live people that was there. I, I looked back at it, I'm like, man, we did a great job, but we could have really took it to a whole other level and really like because I, I, I had the mic in my hand. So I could have right. enticed the crowd into it and had like a back and forth. And I'm like, man, I, I got to get another opportunity to go at it man, because I know I know we could we could have took it from where it was at, which was great and made it like legendary. Yeah, definitely. Like, I, you could tell the vibes of what was going on, even through video. Like, you could feel the intensity of it. So, I can't wait to see what you guys possibly cook up, you know, if it's if 
you know, the stars were to align that way. But in the comments, um, my beloved keeps saying, said Paul Heyman versus Chiseled Adonis on the mic. How would that work, Chiseled? What would you say to someone like Paul Heyman? Oh, well, say? straight out the gate, I got to uh, address him as like the penguin out of Batman. I would have to straight yes. get at that. <laughs> I'd have to get that for sure. I would have to take shots um, given that his past with um, ECW, with the bouncing of the checks and everything of that nature, I would have to make it real. But the beautiful thing about it is Paul Heyman is the master of a shoot. So with that being the case, I know he's going to have to, he's going to dig up some dirt on me. We could have a back and forth and everything, but it it, it, it would be awesome. I, I know it'd be awesome because he's also a, you know, a New Yorker as well. And he's been in wrestling since, what was it, like the late 70s, early 80s? Right. I believe it was the early 80s. But he's been in wrestling for years. So it, it would be an amazing back and forth. And I'd truly be honored to, to share, you know, a microphone with him. I've never actually had an opportunity to see him in a panel or perhaps in like a Q&A sort of thing where I'm there physically. I've never had that opportunity, but I've seen him live so many times. Yeah, I would pass out if I were ever at a panel for him or whatever, because I love him. I, I say all the time that I feel like he should have his own podcast because there's so many stories that he has, you know, with building a lot of wrestlers careers and everything and building his own career. So I feel like mm -hmm. he should have a podcast because listening to him just it's never boring. You're never bored when you're listening to Paul Heyman. He's 100%. an asset. He's an absolute asset to the business. So you and him would be really cool. And just to cook that up, like that would just be really intense and really fun. So, yeah. So um, during the pandemic, of course, we were all sort of struggling and trying to figure out, you know, what else was going to happen with us, you know, how the world was going to move forward with that. How did you cope? with you know being shut down or being in a new york that was shut down and how exactly did you make the best of it well for one i had never seen Times square empty in my entire life it doesn't matter what time you go out to manhattan there will be a incredible amount of people that are outside the pandemic right. It was a ghost town. So that that was that was a different kind of culture shift for me. But because during the pandemic, when everybody was at home, I said, I have an opportunity at this point to reach people where they are, because there's individuals who are getting furloughed. So they weren't you know, at, at work anymore. There were people who were forced to now work remote. There were other individuals who simply, you know, if you were at the house, then now you have no reason to really go outside. And then you have other individuals who wanted to, who usually would probably be outside, but because of the whole hysteria, they're at the house. So I said, mm -hmm. all right, I've got to double down on content. And I think there was maybe a streak for maybe like six months. I think I uploaded every day without ceasing, really. I, I, there was some form of content every single day for about six months. And I really made sure, hey, I'm going to put out different sort of thing. I'm going to try new things. So that's when I started doing the um, review for the uh, Dark Side of the Ring. I think that was in um, 2020 uh, when I started the uh, MMA commentary and really – going heavy on that so i started really listening to the people and just putting out as much stuff as i possibly could my life remained unchanged um to to, to a degree because whatever it was that i was doing I, I was a guy who was just at home i'm recording content i'm at the gym and then i'm back at the house unless i'm going to like an outing or something like that but i i nothing really changed for me i just really doubled down 
heavily on making the content. And that's when I've really started seeing my numbers grow. Yeah, and Cornelius in the comments on Facebook saying, and I watched every day. That's, oh, that's so love wonderful. Right there. Yeah, that's great love right there. And I know for me, um, I had started my show before the pandemic, a month before the pandemic. So I was still learning everything, trying to figure out, you know, what audio was like and how I was going to, you know, continue to grow my audience and stuff like that. I was still learning. I was basically a baby when it came to this podcasting game and I was working and I still had stuff that I could do with the podcast and still working. But I was just like, man, this is crazy. And it was a lot for me because I'm an extrovert. So being shut down and not being able to go places was hard. But I still made the best of it, you know, as much as we could. And um, shout out to anyone, you know, who was going through any rough times during that point, because that was seriously a terrible time for everybody. But at the same time, you just tried to make the best of it and try to cope um, however you could go to therapy, eat, you know, and do it and um, do whatever you could to try to get through it. But I'm so glad that we are out. <laughs> of right. Right. And that we're here, you know, and that we were able to watch New York flourish again and actually be able and for me to be able to see it, you know, full to the brim the way that it normally is. And that was a dream. So. I'm glad that you were able to get through it and post all your content because you were going hard. Um, and I appreciated that. So how did you feel about wrestling during the pandemic? Because I know that was different and all the sports had basically canceled at a certain point. But wrestling decided that they were just going to keep going. So how did you feel um, watching wrestling at that point in time? Yeah, it was wrestling and, and the UFC. They were the only two that kept going. And right. watching wrestling at that time was interesting because at first I said, I have no clue how they're going to make it work because primarily, although you can put on a match without the crowd to a degree, it's heavily, you know, in, in need of the reaction. There's some times in which you can have a match that's going on and you can, you can see the crowd does not care. But to right. put on an entire show with no audience, I'm really interested in how they would, you know, go ahead and do that. And the first few months was very rough because you can see, and I'll never forget that episode where they had Stone Cold and he's trying to improv and everything. It's hilarious to watch back. But when you were watching live, you're like, man, this is, this is brutal. Like, a lot of people don't take into account how important the crowd is. Like, although everybody knows, if you got a hot crowd, you'll have an amazing show. But when you don't have a crowd at all, when it's halftime heat, mankind, and the rock, the whole show, it's different now. So during the pandemic and watching whether it was AEW or WWE, and I'm just looking at the, the show like, oh, man, this is this is very tough to watch, but the introduction of the Thunderdome was absolutely genius because you gave people an opportunity to not only you, you have reactions on the screen, they're pumping in noise or whatever, but you give incentive to the viewer like, hey, oh, I got an opportunity to be on TV. I can be out there too. So it became fun because it was like a battle to say, all right, I can hop into the, this hour of Raw. I'll be on hour two and I'll get through. So it made it very fun. I enjoyed it. And I, have, I was streaming during uh, most episodes 
of Raw and SmackDown. And I remember, I'll never forget there was one day somebody had put in the chat room, like, oh, you, you try to get in the Thunderdome. I'm like, I'm live streaming the show. Why would I be in the Thunderdome? And I clicked on it and I got in. So then we we're doing a oh. battle to try to find myself. So I'm live twice so it, it was it was so funny and then when i spotted myself i'm doing like a back and forth between two different cameras it was it was a riot but i really enjoyed it yeah i enjoyed it too because it's like i've been watching wrestling since i was four years old so this was the most different situation i had ever experienced but i knew i was gonna keep watching it because i don't know nothing else um i didn't know anything else i don't know my life without wrestling so i was just like this is gonna be hard and it's gonna be interesting without the people and a lot of people had different opinions about that online and such like can they do it without the people is it gonna mm -hmm. be the same should i keep watching it and all of that i was like yeah i'm gonna keep watching it because number one i have a platform and number two because i just don't know nothing else and the way that wrestling from all the promotions found a way to keep it going and keep you entertained throughout the entire, you know, situation was something that I will always admire them for. And then you have the athletes finding all kinds of amazing ways to keep you engaged with the storytelling, with the facial mm -hmm. expressions, you know, that you never would have paid attention to otherwise because you're distracted by all the other extra. And I really appreciated that, you know, during that time because it was hard. But either way, I feel like my favorite moment from all of that was Becky announcing her pregnancy to Oscar <laughs> and giving her the title. Like that was my favorite moment from that point in time because I was just like, man, this is I feel like if this were live in front of people, it would be a big deal. But it still is a big deal, even though we can't see it. But it was still, you know, a very heartfelt moment. And then watching Becky, who had risen to such an amazing level of stardom to now having to give this up because she's going on a new undertaking in her womanhood. It was just like beautiful. And I was just like, man, this is wonderful. I wish there was a crowd for this, but either way. And then that was also the birth of Seth freaking Rollins going crazy on Ray. And that was a whole thing, but <laughs> either way, it was still fun, but we made it through and we got back together with our people. And previously um, you did mention that you did go to a WrestleMania. How many WrestleManias have you been to? And did you get to make it to this one in California? No, I've only been to one. I've been to one WrestleMania um, at WrestleMania 35 uh, for Kofi uh -huh. Mania. So I had an opportunity yes. to see that. And I think there was three retirements that we saw. We, it was a Triple H. No, no, no. Triple H did. A, um, it was a Batista's last match. Right. Kurt Angle's last match. Mm -hmm. And I think there was one other person on that card who also had their last match. I forget. Hmm. Um, who like quietly retired. It escapes me. But um, whatever the case was, that was my first WrestleMania. And I did the entire Hall of Fame, um, SmackDown, Raw. Um, I believe there was an NXT taping during that time frame as well. Um, I went to the Access and everything. It was it was awesome. I always wanted to go to a WrestleMania. And uh, WrestleMania 20 was in uh, Madison Square Garden when um, they yeah. had that Eddie and the Benoit at the end of the show and everything. Still, still my number one favorite moment because it's incredibly emotional. I can't watch it now and not get somewhat choked up. But um, I really wish that I had a chance to go um, then. So when I heard that WrestleMania was going to be in the metropolitan area, I'm like, oh, I'm going to move heaven and high water. <laughs> Hell and high water to get there. And then uh, um, now... Having gone there next year, WrestleMania is going to be in Philly. So mm -hmm. I'm definitely, definitely going to have to go there because I, for one, I want to go to WrestleMania. And then two, I want to experience that Philly crowd. 
Yeah. Like that last WrestleMania, the one that I actually went to the one in LA a few weeks like last month. Was it last month? Or was it this month? Uh, this no, month. It was, uh, oh my god. This month. Yeah, yeah. The beginning. Oh my of god, this month. time is crazy. Time is crazy. Cause we're about to hit the end of April. It's, it's insane. But yeah, I went and had the time of my life. Like I got to go in the superstore, got to go to the event itself, went to NXT stand and deliver. Like everything that could have happened in and outside of it, I was a part of it. And it was it was a whirlwind, but it was still great to connect with so many people and network with so many people. Like it's almost to the point now to where I've been voluntold that I'm going to the one in Philadelphia. Mm. Like oh. I've been voluntold, like you're going. And I was just like, oh God, okay. Uh, We'll see what how it works, you know? Cause I've never been to Philadelphia. And with it being the 40th one, I was hoping it was going to New York. Right, because you know I'm more I'm comfortable with New York now, and I would have just had to just stay at a friend's house and just gone to Madison Square Garden. But no, they were like, "We're going to Philadelphia," and I was like, "Okay, fine, whatever." Um, <laughs> right, do what you want to do, whatever. We'll we'll try and make it work. But that WrestleMania experience is like no other. Like it is amazing, and then to go as an adult. It's crazy, too, because the first one I actually went to was in Atlanta in 2011, and that was fun because that one was actually closer to mm -hmm. us from Birmingham. You know, that's just two and a half hours, depending on who's driving. Mm -hmm. So to be able to go to that one was just a big deal. But to see how WrestleMania has changed since then is not just one night. It's two nights. Mm -hmm. um, you can go to so many different things, not even just WWE things, but Ring of Honor things and indie mm -hmm. things. It's just amazing amazing to be surrounded by so many people who love wrestling just as much as you do if not more it's crazy so yeah i just had to ask you about that because you brought it up and i was like oh yeah he did go to wrestlemania mm -hmm. but hopefully you know you'll be able to go back at a certain point because it's fun yeah it is so fun <laughs> and like you said when you talked about the the being around people who really love wrestling as much as you do you have no idea, and I tell people all the time, you have no idea how incredibly, you know, it brings life into you when you see people who all like what you like. So then now you're like a kid in a candy store because you you could be talking about rock in 1998. Well, there's 17 people here who all can talk about that with the same topic with you. Oh, well, yes. what's the greatest intercontinental man? Now you can get into an entire debate about something that you really love because oftentimes although we like to surround ourselves with people who we kind of have you know somewhat of a similar worldview with or a similar point of view whatever the case is seldom do you find yourself in an area where it's everybody have one thing in common so when that's the case you could be talking about anything and you'll find a lifelong friend or something like it's it's always so fun it's invigorating i love it absolutely love it I, I 10 out of 10 experience like even if the card or the show is terrible which wrestlemania is usually is it's gonna be a bang but the experience of being in that ambiance of people uh it's second to none seriously like it is amazing. It's an amazing ambiance. There's so much energy. There's just so much yelling. Like oh, you so lose your voice. Other people are losing their voice. Like we're all just having a good time. So in talking about WrestleMania and where wrestling is now, how do you feel about the state of wrestling and what's good about it and what could be improved upon it to you? Oh, boy, right now, wrestling, the in-ring product, I think is 
good in a sense where everybody to a degree is able to go, right? So there's a style of wrestling for everybody. But I think the only downside would be two things. One, the wrestling fans are so into what's going on behind the scenes, it takes away from the mystique of what wrestling was supposed to be. Because it's not just, all right, they're putting on matches. They're telling stories. So any time in which there's something that kind of peels back the curtain and then it recreates the kayfabe to where somebody's saying, wait a minute, was that supposed to happen? Wait, I think something went off script. Those stories become the biggest in, 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 in the industry. But the problem is so many fans are digging and digging and digging to try to find out the truth before we even finish the story to where the payoff is never as good as it really should be. So I think we're too smart for our own good. Uh, I would say that's one. And then I think two is just the realism of the um, the realism of the combat that's going on in the ring. I, I think perhaps if there was a way where, although kayfabe is very difficult to try to bring that back, but I think if there was a way to where the wrestlers, no matter what you know company that they work in, if they were to separate you know their personal life you know, completely from what's going on, like whether it's posting on social media or whatever, like don't post photos with your opponent or you're on the road with your opponent. Like you guys are together. Like, oh no, we're really buddy, buddy. Like if you really want to sell the story, maybe not, you know, be together or whatever the case may be. Cause it's very difficult now for me to buy in 110%. Cause I don't go searching for it, but I happen to follow some people who happen to be wrestling fans and everything. So I'll be sitting there like, all right, well this, um, with the Nia Jackson, Alexa bliss story a few years back when they were, um, they, they, I think it was like 2017 when they had their feud and everything. I'm like, Oh boy, I'm really starting to get into this Wait, Maybe, maybe Alexa's really cutting into Nia. It seems as if maybe it's going a little bit off the of script. And then all of a sudden on Twitter, I go and they're out getting coffee together, laughing and everything. I'm like, Oh boy. Well, I just bought into it and now I kind of got thrown out of it. Or, or, or you could have a, um, like a Dolph Ziggler in the Miz when they were having their um, ladder match over the um, Intercontinental Championship. I was really enjoying that. And then, of course, you know, they're, they're hanging out or whatever. They're both from Ohio and everything. It was supposed to be built on, you know, mutual respect or whatever. But then they're all laughing and having an amazing time right after the show. So I, it, I, for me, I still have that kind of, it's still real to me, damn it. So I'd say those are the two things that um, I would change. But outside of that, I think wrestling is in a good spot. Yeah, wrestling, to me, I will say, is in a good spot in terms of um, some of its storylines. Because, of course, you know, the bloodline is probably one of the best storylines that I've seen, you know, in my lifetime. Oh, yeah. um, and then you also have all the action that's taking place on a lot of the different shows and the evolution of equality when it comes to women in wrestling. That's getting better. But then you also, the part that sort of takes it away from me, even leading up to today, <laughs> has to be like hearing about the business dealings and the background of how people in the business are treating the people who are creating the stuff that we see on television. That's the part that takes it away from me because it makes me feel like as a person who's working and creating their own brand and also, you know, venturing into writing, venturing into commentary that makes me feel like, do I actually have a place here? Because on the one hand, you're putting this face on and making it seem like, oh, we're evolving, you know, past where we used to be. But then on the other hand, behind the scenes, you're sort of treating other people who are trying to move it forward 
like they don't have a voice. And that's really the part that sort of takes it away from me. And then when you have social media, you know, posting about it, talking about it, retweeting about it and all of the above, it sort of takes away from the joy of it. And it makes you feel really sad. And it makes you want to just be like, you know, what? what, what's the point of all it is? And it kind of makes you just want to just, you know, recluse and just stay away. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say that something that I do try to take peace in is the fact that I know I'll never like give up because I love it too much. So that's just kind of how I feel about it um, now. But either way, wrestling is still going to be something that I love. So who would you say is your top five wrestlers of all time, male, female, or non-binary? And they don't have to be people you just see on TV. They could be people in the independence that you've seen or discovered or whatever. Okay, top five all time. So it's like characters or like in-ring sort of? All around. Okay, so all around. Um. Okay, boy, top five. All right, so Stone Cold, um, Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock, because the two of them were just the staple of my childhood. So Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock. Um, this one may be a bit taboo, but everybody knows how I feel about it. Chris Benoit, um, because his, uh, for me, he is the greatest technical wrestler who had ever uh, um, done it. I think he was a bit more intense and uh, a bit more precise um, than Brett to a certain degree. But then, uh, although you can't do, you can't ignore you know what he did in in the personal life. I, I just look at his in ring career. I only focus on that in particular. But then, uh, uh, Benoit there. So then it would be him, Rock, Austin, Sasha Banks. Um, I think she is the greatest. Oh, well, Mercedes Monet at this particular point. I think she is the greatest um, women's wrestler um, of all time. I really loved uh, uh, Trish to a, a Trish and AJ Lee. Um, but then I, I think she took it to a whole other level. And then I think um, the last slot, I would probably give give that last slot to um I'd get I'd give it to Undertaker. I think I'd give it to Undertaker. Just just 30 years of just that consistency. There's so many different people. There's Shawn Michaels, um, mm-hmm. who I could throw in there too. Uh, um, the Bret Hart, of course. I really like Mr. Perfect, Roddy Piper, um, Sting. Um, Gold, the, the people give Goldberg a, ba- a bad rap, but I always liked Goldberg. Goldberg was cool. Triple H, um, Ric Flair, of course, <laughs> um, Dusty Rhodes. But um, I, I would have to say the five Undertaker. Uh, Mercedes Monet, Benoit, Rock, and Austin. Yeah, that's a pretty solid fave, you know, and then a lot of it sort of speaks to, you know, what you were raised around and what you saw. And then, of course, you know, as you evolved and how you watched wrestling, you know, and for what you watched it for. Because from the technical aspect, like, I love Eddie Guerrero. Like, he is, like, my technical dude. Like, Mm -hmm. seriously, like, him and Ray, every time they got in the ring together was magic. And I would have loved to have seen Eddie versus Andrade because that would (sighs) have... That would have knocked my socks off. <laughs> Don't get that, me started. Oh my god, <laughs> I would have oh, died. It would have been died. amazing. It would have been absolutely amazing. And Eddie, Eddie was so versatile. Like this guy can make you laugh. He can make you cry. He can make you angry. Like they had a compilation the other day where they had all of his cheating moments. And I'm just yeah. sitting there. I watched it on a loop for about like 10 minutes. I'm over here getting emotional thinking about it. I'm like, oh, my God, man. This dude was such a godsend. 
Like it didn't matter what he did, whether it was his work with the China, with China, worked with the radicals when he was in Los Guerreros, his tag team with Ray after he turned heel and then battling against Ray, his partnership with Batista, like this, everything, the world title run against JBL. Like it was just beautiful from start to finish. I, I really like that dude. When he passed, that was the first celebrity, you know, public figure death that really hit me. Cause I, I, Still, till this day, when my grandmother passed in 2010, I couldn't bring myself to cry. And I felt as if that moment I had to have emotion. The only thing to bring tears out of my body. I watched the Three Doors Down Eddie Guerrero tribute. Mm -hmm. And that was the only thing to get a tear to come out of my tear dust. Like that, that dude right there. Oh, my God. You can't put into words how, how great he was. Yeah, I definitely miss him, like, all the time. And anytime I see anyone wrestle like him or even similar to him, I always think about him and just be like, man, if they had a match together, it would be fire. And, mm -hmm. uh, and then it makes you sad. But then at the same time, we were blessed to have him, you know, in the time in which we did. So I completely understand that. And I'm sorry about your grandma. Like, I know what that's like. Um, I lost both of mine. Oh, um both of mine and I miss them all the time every day but they were responsible for raising me into the person I am and I'm grateful for that and I hope you were grateful for your person and your grandmother as well so um my favorites are The Rock and Mercedes Monet like it's hard for me to think of a five mm -hmm. because every time someone asks me what my top five is I kind of just freeze and just be like uh so to keep from doing that I just list two and just say The Rock is my male favorite and Mercedes Monet is my woman favorite period so that's just it for me but yeah I love the technical components of wrestling but then you also have the parts to get you invested like the storylines and stuff like that so with that in mind, of course, the bloodline has been the most all-encompassing storyline and action stuff that's been going on in wrestling in the past three years now. It's crazy. So how did you feel when Cody Rhodes lost against Roman Reigns at this WrestleMania? I was devastated. I walked out after the after the one, two, three. I was mad. But how did you feel? <laughs> At first, because for one, I have a lot of reverence for my father. So then seeing Cody get so emotional every time he like brings up Dusty or whatever, that the it just it, it it hits me there. So I was I was sitting there all in on Cody winning the title since he returned. And then when, once I, I hated the fact that they announced the Royal Rumble. I wish it was somewhat of a surprise, but I was sitting there like, man, Cody's gotta win. Cody's gotta win. Cody's gotta win. And then I started thinking about it like, wait a minute, Roman now after Royal Rumble had truly became a heel. He had been doing heel stuff forever, but the people didn't really hate him and boo him until the fallout with Sami Zayn. So I said, now you got a chance to really have a nuclear heel. What better way to really piss off the people and make them hate Roman even more and actually run as champion as a real heel than to have him defend the title and win? So I was on the fence because I really wanted Cody to win and then I really wanted Roman to win as well. But then I started thinking about Cody's finish the story, finish the story, finish the story. It's not 
predicated on him winning the title at Mania. It's predicated on him winning the title. So once I got that to kind of stay into my mind, I got it ingrained in my mind. I said, ah, you know what? When Roman defend when he, when he won and retained, I said, ah, I get it. As long as Cody <laughs> gets the opportunity to win the title, because if they just they screw him over and he just never wins, then I'll be very upset. But I think what they'll ultimately end up doing is building it either towards SummerSlam or maybe have him go through the entire gambit, win the Royal Rumble again, and then Ooh. challenge him next year. Because for all intents and purposes, Roman can legitimately hold the title for another year the people will really be upset about it but roman's matches have all been bangers as of late so since that's the case people are buying the premium live event people are going in droves to go watch him lose he's become like floyd mayweather so since that's the case i think really it, they could do something with it but they just introduced a new world champion so i don't know how i feel about you know the the world <laughs> championship and everything but as far as i'm concerned i i, I was i thought i would be upset but then after I started playing it in my mind, like, oh, wait a minute. I think they can prolong this. I, I was at peace with it. Yeah. Okay. I I respect that. Because it's just a lot of people, you know, did kind of understand why. But then there were people, you know, who were just like, nah, Cody was that dude. And it was like, and for me, it was harder. Because when he got injured, he when his peck got injured mm -hmm. and he had fought hell in the cell and beat Seth Rollins for the third time. Right. You know, we didn't see him anymore. And then he wound up, of course, having his surgery and coming down here to Birmingham to get his surgery because, you know, we are the city that fixes the wrestlers and every yep. other athlete too. We fix them. Mm -hmm. And they showed the clip of him getting the surgery at the raw that happened in January that was here. And I was in the crowd for that. So when they flashed up that he was in Birmingham, he got it fixed. You know, his pec, his pec surgery, I was like, yes! You know, I was invested in So I was just like, okay, you got injured. You came down here, down at home to get fixed. And then you went back to Georgia to rehab. And now you're coming back. You're going to win everything, right? So I was invested the whole time. And then when you see him in the crowd and the way that he engages with everybody, mm -hmm. Cody just seems like he's just come back and fully coming to his own now um not only and not even just with that but just with him going full circle and going leaving wwe going to the indies building himself up to be that guy and now coming back here he's really found himself so when he lost my heart was broken. <laughs> yeah. I was in shambles, okay? Mm -hmm. And then they were all like, yeah, he's reaching, the, Roman's reaching the 1,000 days. And I'm just like, you know what? Forget those 1,000 days. Screw that. I want Cody to be the champion. Right, right. <laughs> I was so devastated. <laughs> right. And and you, you have no, there's no issue with you feeling that way because you should. <laughs> If you really look at what Cody had to go through to get to this point, and we've seen it before because Drew McIntyre did it. He yes. was the guy who was supposed to be the chosen one, end up finding himself in 3MB. He leaves. Drew Galloway is killing the game, comes yes. back, wins the NXT championship, climbs yes. the mountaintop. Him and Bailey carried the WWE through the pandemic. He has his moment in the sun, world champion, wins the title, beats Brock Lesnar. Everything was beautiful. Cody, same story. Here we are, and then he loses. Mm. So when people are enraged, I completely get it. But here's what I love. The crowd is still on his side. So yes. I'm just hoping when he has his match next Saturday, uh, well, yeah, Saturday after next, yeah. against Brock, 
I would just hope they don't put it in a way to where Cody, even if he were to lose, because I believe that he should win. Um, They can make a series of matches out of this, but I think what should happen is he should win in a fashion where he kind of just escapes so you can kind of still stretch that story out. But if he were to lose back-to-back pay-per-views, I think he's really going to start to lose a bit of steam. But with Cody, I'm just hoping they don't drop the ball because his merchandise sales is already through the roof. His interaction with the crowd, like you said, is darn near otherworldly. Only rivals, you know, it's probably seen him. As yeah. somebody who, who can get the crowd into it and everything, the people are singing his song. There's kids that's down there jumping at the opportunity to get to that corner to get his belt. Like yes. it's, it's this dude here, he just gets it. He dresses like a world champion, he talks like a world champion, carries himself like a world champion. He should be a world champion, and but he should be the one who dethrones Roman Reigns. That new title, Seth could go and take that title, but. For, for Cody, it must be him who takes down Reigns. Yes, I agree. And after Seth taking that new world title, Xavier Wood should come in right behind him because that match he had with Gunter this oh. past SmackDown for the IC title, look, I told him at Wale Mania he should be IC champion. So you can only imagine my happiness when I saw him saw him challenge Gunter for that title. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, snap, I told him it was happening. You know, and he was close to winning, but Gunter had to choke him out to get him yeah, go, go the, he he done lifted him. I said, oh, wait a minute, Xavier. I think Xavier's neck got another two inches or something. Because Gunther, right. he done lifted him up to go and choke him out. But Gunther, him to, that dude is, his Royal Rumble performance was, oh, my God. It, this dude is incredible. But I think, I think Xavier, he's definitely, he has definitely got to get him an opportunity to run with a singles championship. If he gets drafted to Raw or whatever show that Theory just so happens to get on, he should yes. take that title off of Theory. Yes. He needs to take that title off of Theory. Yes, I was just thinking the same thing a few weeks ago. I was just like, you know, it would be cool if even if Xavier loses against Gunter, he could get drafted to Raw or wherever Theory is and then challenge for the U.S. title and take it off of him because Theory has had a stranglehold on it. And the way he cheated to beat John Cena made me upset too. So mm-hmm. I was just like, you know what? You need to you need to get your clock clean by somebody. And if it's Xavier, then I am all for it because Xavier deserves to have his moment, even though he said him being king of the ring was his dream, which is completely understandable. You know, mm-hmm. he's the only one out of the New Day who hasn't had a singles glory like the way Kofi and Big E have. So wow. I want him to have his moment. Okay. Like that would just be cool. Yeah. So in talking more about storylines, like what what would you say has been your favorite storyline with the women? Because I do have to address that because there's been so much, you know, back and forth with the equality of women and them taking a couple of steps forward and backwards. And it doesn't even have to be just WWE stuff. Like what has been your favorite thing from the women, um, the women's divisions? From the women's divisions, I would have to say as of late, I think the best story would probably be um, I it, probably it have to be Bailey and uh, Bailey and Bianca. Their mm-hmm. back and forth has always been good. I think the only downside is with what was going on with damage control, it kind of got a bit convoluted. It should have just been the two of them just going at it. So I really enjoyed that. I think there was a lot that they could have done with Charlotte and Rhea, but it was a bit rushed. Um, but Rhea, Rhea had been the MVP of 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 twenty twenty two. 
really mm -hmm. enjoyed all of her work. It was amazing. But now they're kind of in a situation where I don't know who they're going to have challenge her. But um, all things uh, Bianca, she whatever she's in, I'm buy I'm buying in 110%. And um, there was a, in AEW with Jade Cargill. I I, I really just that that she she gets it. She looks like a star. She is a star, carries herself as a star. I just, the, the current story that she's in now, the people are wondering, oh, wait, is she going to actually lose? Is somebody going to take the title off her? I think it could happen. So who knows? We'll see. But whatever the case may be, I would say it, 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 it was that there. And then, of course, Mercedes Monet, whatever's going on out there, although she unfortunately ended up losing said title. But she will be in action again next month. So I look forward to that. I look forward to that. So all things with, like, four horsewomen, just all of them. It's just whatever they're in, I am 100% in. And now I'm invested heavily in what's going on with Trish and Becky. And I can't wait to see how that's going to play out. Yeah, there's so many ways all of those stories could play out. Because you can't deny the rise of Bianca. You know, like, she's mm -hmm. just a star, period. And just seeing everything that she's doing just makes me so proud. I love her so much. Like, her reach is so far to the point to where my mom watches all of her matches. And my mom mm -hmm. was never a wrestling fan. But she loves her, okay? Right, and right. that's wonderful. Like, she actually watched her whole match against Asuka this past WrestleMania. And I was like, Really? Like, that's the power Bianca has. So I'm really mm -hmm. happy for any and everything that she does and who she is as a person. I just enjoy and just appreciate her. And then you also have Jade Cargill, you know, who is the TBS champion. has been a TBS champion for over a year. Mm -hmm. And it's to the point to where we're always asking, you know, who is going to be the one to inevitably dethrone her because she's just been so dominant. And Taya Valkyrie does have a good opportunity to do that. Um, like I can't wait to see how that plays out because Taya Valkyrie is so good. She's a veteran, mm -hmm. you know, and seeing someone like Jade, who is still relatively new, step up to her is going to be really interesting. And then, of course, you have Mercedes, you know, who we did talk about earlier. We love her and everything she's doing and revolutionizing the game. And even when she loses titles, she still wins because her name, her like she said this to Bailey during the pandemic. Like mm -hmm. she said, my name is bigger than your title. Mm -hmm. And that's the truth. It her is. Her name is bigger than any title. And now we're learning now that her name is even bigger than titles outside of WWE. And that's the truth. And that's not any disrespect to the IWGP title because that it that is a new women's title, of course. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, she doesn't have to be champion to be in the conversation ever. That's how great she is. So it's just a beautiful time, you know, for the women. And I'm also intrigued by the Trish storyline with Becky because I know that's going to be a great match, you know, in mm -hmm. and of itself, inevitably. And then with Rhea, you know, she's doing great, too. But then, you know, Charlotte's taking a break. So now she's about to fight Rhea in Puerto Rico. Well, not Rhea. Rhea's about oh, to fight um, Zelina. Zelina. Yeah. Zelina in Puerto Rico. And I think that's going to be great for her because I love me some Zelina now. Like, that's my girl. Oh, so yeah. Zelina is cool. Zelina is so cool. And she's fast in the ring and everything. But I think it's they kind of give her a bad rap given that because of her size. But I think yeah. if they just hand her the mic, let her talk. She can talk her way into getting people to really buy into what's happening because they gave the opportunity to Alexa Bliss 
to talk her way into being somewhat legitimate. Because even Bliss, really, if you look at her versus like a Nia, there's no reason why Bliss should win that match. If you just look yeah. at it. Or, or that even when she was going against the Charlottes or going against the Baileys or the Sashas or whatever the case was, but they gave Bliss an opportunity to speak her way into people falling in love with what it was that she was doing. So with the Zelina, I'm just hoping, just put a mic in her hand because you know she can talk. Yes. You know she can talk. Just give her as many opportunities as, as you can, and she'll be able to sell whatever it is that they want, you know, the people to buy. And lastly, with Bianca, now that she's been a champion for over a year now, I think she should start to, just so that the people, because uh, to a certain degree, people really, they wanted to see Asuka win because she hasn't won at Mania. But um, I think what Bianca should do now is start to, initiate open challenges similar to what john cena did in um with the u.s championship in 2015 yeah i think if bianca were to do an open challenge week in week out even if it's not every single week but at least you know two times a month three times a month open challenge because there's enough women who's on the roster who's not really doing much have an open challenge put on an absolute banger of a match, the people will not only want to see who's going to be the person to dethrone them, but they'll go out of their way to say, I, I want to see this match. Oh, I, she's taking on Chelsea Green. All right, although Chelsea Green's character, they're just now starting to really give her a chance. But if she's taking, whoever Bianca's taking on, the people will buy in 110% because they know they're going to see a, a classic match, a banger. So I think she should start like looking into that open challenge because we everybody loves a fighting champion it doesn't get any better than a fighting champion yeah and then on top of that it's so funny you mentioned the open challenge thing like i remember having the discussion with um people online and also with another content creator if if bianca belair is the new john cena and ultimately i feel like she kind of is um and that's not and that's not a diss or that's not disrespect to john cena at all or anything that he's ever done it's just that when you have someone like her who is just so bankable so beautiful so athletic and talented that people just love all the time in terms of your women's division like she's the face of them um and i just can't it's like her and Everything that she does, it's just it just turns into gold. It's like they're giving her a reality show, like they're giving her all of the things, and and only and it's just I just can't wait to see how she rises up. Mm -hmm. And then also another thing that I'm invested in is the Impact um, Knockouts title and how it was just won by Diana Perazzo. And it's just like her and Jordan Grace had a really good match against against each other for that title that was vacated because Mickey James yeah, couldn't sure. fight. Because she got injured and she wasn't cleared. So it's just like when you have someone like Deanna who at one point held every title almost in existence, you know, holding the title again. And then you have her husband holding the Impact Champ World Championship too. It makes me wonder, like, how are they going to, you know, grow as characters from this? Like, there's a lot of good stuff going on in wrestling. And I feel mm -hmm. like you and I can sit and talk about wrestling all day long. But sadly, we can't do that. But I just wanted to say... um, one question, one more question is, what do you believe the future holds for you? Boy, what does the future hold for me? I I would have to say the future for me, I, I, I envision, I want to say maybe five more years of just making content, um, putting things out there. And then ultimately, when I decide, whenever that may be, to become a family man, I'd probably end up making like my own reality show, per se, of, of myself 
and my family becoming, you know, a, uh, becoming a husband, becoming a father and uh, things of that nature. And then introducing them to the things that I enjoyed all while still, you know, somewhat channeling what I'm doing now, but then working that into being a, a family person. I think uh, the biggest thing for me is growing with my audience. So I think for me, I didn't envision myself um, doing something like that, at least content wise. But then um, outside of that content wise, maybe about like five, seven years down the line um, in the future for me, just traveling, really enjoying life and having an opportunity to make my parents, you know, latter days, their better days. I want to take them on their first vacation since 2003 to go somewhere. Um, I I, I want to be able to, you know, of course, with my brother and the, the journey of the chiseling of the unchiseled Adonis and get him healthy and everything like that. And I, I, I really want to just be able to experience a lot of things um, with my family that I didn't get an opportunity to experience as a kid. Yeah, those are really good goals to have. And I feel like, you know, with your platform, you literally have, you know, a great jumping off point to start your own reality show and just, you know, create a comfortable life for your family. And that's a very admirable goal to have. And I definitely believe that you are on the right track to make all of that happen. And I thank you so much for coming on the Hardy Wrestling Podcast. This was a very fun conversation to have. So if you don't mind just telling everybody where they can find and follow you and what you've got going on. All right. So, yeah, for one, thank you so much for having me on. <laughs> um, this this was fun. Any opportunity to talk about wrestling. Um, I feel as if we, we've we've known each other for years at this point. Like there's so many <laughs> like talking about wrestling. It just it, it makes you go back to those days of when you were a kid. Um, so so that that's always great. But where can the people find me? You can find me on YouTube at Chiseled Adonis. Um, you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Um, Snapchat, although I don't really upload on Snapchat, TikTok, I'm on my fourth, you know, TikTok. So people will probably find my videos floating around there somewhere. But um, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, that's where I'm primarily at. And you can find it at Chiseled Adonis. And upcoming projects, uh, we have the Chiseled Adonis Awards for the NFL season of the, the 2022 NFL season. Now, granted, the Super Bowl was um two months ago, but uh, I like to have my award show, I guess, a little bit tardy um, to get people ready for whatever is going on in the offseason or whatever the case may be. So uh, look, look forward to that up on YouTube. Awesome sauce. And know you can follow me, your girl Stephanie Hardy, on Instagram and Twitter at Queen Steph Hardy. And listen to the Hardy Wrestling Podcast everywhere you get your shows. And watch the videos of my interviews and episodes on the YouTube channel, the Hardy Wrestling Podcast. Coming up, I have my extra episode on Mercedes Monet versus Mayu Iwatani at All-Star Grand Queendom. So please be on the lookout for that. And also follow me on Women's Wrestling Talk, the number one women's wrestling show on the planet on the wow superheroes after show on mondays with um emily may heller and katrina blake and on the smackdown and rampage after show with drion santana our editor-in-chief and just continue to support the brand everywhere um follow it on instagram at hardy wrestling podcast and on twitter at hardy wrestle pod so, of course, this has been the Hardy Wrestling Podcast with your girl stephanie hardy and chiseled adonis and we are signing off by saying Bye, y'all.